We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The KCSN Live Post Game Show with DJ Kissel and Ken Swanson is about to begin. Best post-game coverage you can find. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Live on the 101 The Fox Facebook page, KC Sports Network's YouTube channel, and tomorrow, well, wherever you find your podcasts. This is the KCN Live Post Game Show with BJ Kissel and Ken Swanson from the Bullpen Bar and Grill in Overland Park. All right, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to the Bullpen Bar and Grill out here in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm BJ Kissel. Joined by Kent Swanson and Tucker Franklin uh, behind the keyboard back here, making everything work. Uh, not, damn it, not the one that we want to do, uh, things that we want to talk about. But at the end of the day, uh, people are just going to be pissed off right now. Let's, let's, let's have at it because there are going to be a lot of burying it and, and figuring out all the, all the reasons why uh, the Chiefs didn't win this game. But uh, let's start with just how you feeling after this one from, from top level. Furious. This team's one and two. They have the best player in the world, and they've been able, unable to win two of their first three games. And the thing that is frustrating is the late game management these last two weeks have not helped this team win. This win. And they're sitting two, two straight losses, one at home to a divisional opponent, I'm fear, I'm furious, Peach. I'm trying to calm myself down a little bit here. I don't know if I'm going to. And there's a lot there's a lot to get to with this because as much as it is week three, but there are problems with this football team that, that can't be ignored because they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part. We can sit here and watch, and we're going to, again, throughout the show, we are going to dive into everything. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs have a losing record for the first time since 2015, the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career 
that the Chiefs don't have a winning record. And you look at the rest of the division, we could say whatever we want about the Raiders and the Broncos. Undefeated. They haven't played. They're 2-0 right now. Yeah. Chiefs are 1-2. They have work they have to do. And some of the flaws and things that you guys have been talking about that we've mentioned, saying, hey, they're not a per- perfect football team. They have some deficiencies. Those are being highlighted every single week, which is exactly what you don't want to see as a Chiefs fan. But, but there are still areas coming off of the game against Baltimore last week where it's like, the sky is falling. The defense can't do this. It can't do that. We we saw some of those things improve. The things that didn't improve that we've still been talking about, we are still going to talk about on this show. And we will hear later in this show from Craig Stout, from Maddie Lane, and we know those guys have takes. We are basically going to treat this post-game show as our 10 observations from this game. But again, we are at the Bullpen Bar and Grill here in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, despite the fact that the Chiefs are 1-2, and two, they are taking care of us. Um, everybody here, Darren and the whole crew, the, the girls here, they're taking care of us. Uh, it's a fun place to watch a game, but uh, not fun to watch this game here right now. But uh, continue throughout the show, whether you're watching on Facebook, whether you're watching on the, the 101 The Fox Facebook page, or whether you're watching on the YouTube, or whether you're watching on Twitter, ask us the questions. Let us know the things that are frustrating you. And when we get to the end of the show for our eighth observation, ninth observation, we're going to go through what you guys are sending us again, whether they're questions, comments, just airing out your grievances, uh, <laughs> as some, some friends of mine would say, uh, to break this one down. But uh, tomorrow's headlines, Kent, I think first observation, what kind of wake-up call is this for the Chiefs? Again, we don't. I'm built this way that I'm not going to overreact on week three, but the Chiefs are digging themselves holes and that you cannot – you cannot win football games by turning over the ball four times and going three or four inside the red zone as far as your defense and stopping teams and scoring touchdowns. It's not a good formula to win football games. Someone on Twitter this week said something that's really true. Losses bring out a lot of honesty. And in good, healthy organizations, loss, losses bring out a lot of honesty and, and, and help you figure out some things that you need to tor- start working towards. Back-to-back losses going to bring some real honesty here. And I think there's a lot of little things that this team's got to address. they got to look at themselves in the mirror, both sides of the football. Both sides of the football. Neither group needs to be absolved. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to be absolved from this situation. Everybody's got to go back and just kind of look at themselves in the mirror, have some moments of honesty, make some small adjustments here, protecting the football, the little things like that. Patrick Mahomes, erratic in the pocket, needs to trust his interior offensive line, needs to maybe not bail. He has tendency to bail out to, out to the right. There's a lot of little things there. This is going to be an opportunity for this team to, to have some moments of honesty because this was a massive loss in division, back-to-back. Now they've lost two games to two AFC opponents. That's big. Yeah. thing that frustrates me also is that Justin Herbert just came in here. Let's look at his box score. 26 of 38, 281 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions, and he's doing that at Arrowhead. This is a young quarterback who just showed that he can. he's not – intimidated by coming in to Arrowhead and we can say whatever we want about what that means. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you have to do certain things, but if he can come in and not feel rattled, Patrick Mahomes seemed more rattled in the pocket today than Justin Herbert did. Absolutely. And that it it doesn't matter how good you are and how much talent you have, which is the only reason the Chiefs had a prayer in this game is because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey may be one of the best combinations in NFL history that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. How many big plays do they make where you just shake your head being like, if it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't have a chance. And it's exactly the situation that we find ourselves in, but all the things that, that I preach about with leadership, having the right guys in place, things, same things I said last week, same things I'm going to say this week, because 
you turn the ball over four times in the red or three times in the red zone, a fourth turnover just on an ill-advised pass from Patrick Mahomes. He's not above criticism at this point. No. You and I were arguing about the first interception off Marcus Kemp's hands yeah. where I'm saying, hey, he didn't. I, I know different people are saying different things on social media. He didn't have to go no look. And he threw it a little bit behind him. If you're going to make those kinds of passes and you're going to reach a little bit and make it a little bit tougher on your receiver, you you are a little bit culpable of not making that play. Marcus Kemp got his hands on the ball. I know he should make the play. He should be, but, he should be on everybody, is what he should be. Everybody's culpable at this point when you're not winning football games because the things that good football teams do, they are not do. They are a talented football team that's got crazy amount of guys who can just go out and make plays, but they are not doing the things that winning football teams do right now, and it's absolutely killing them, which is why it's so frustrating to watch. There has largely been an issue here, I think, even last year when the Chiefs were winning and, and, and winning covered a multitude of sins because this, this formula of close games that have no business being close or that, you know, the, the Chiefs should be in much more control over and, and, and situational football being in more control, they aren't. Because last year there was a lot of close games that they, the Falcons last year was, a, was, un, was egregiously close. The Panthers last year, egregiously close. This team, there's a little bit there of, you know, they try to, they try to do just enough to win football games. And, that, and from a long-term perspective, there's some value in that, not showing too much down the, down the stretch, trying to have something in the bag for when the games matter even more. But they haven't found that line the first two weeks. The game management, these last few situations, has been really poor. And I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, and just it's frustrating defensively. And I know we're going to bring Craig Stout on here in a couple of minutes, and he's going to have takes, and he's going to get tired of being asked the same questions about why is the second level of the defense seem so wide open? That even when you have guys there, even when you don't have to look safeties off or linebackers to create windows because those guys aren't moving. And that stuff is, is highlighted, and again, I'm going to, toe that line of not pretending to know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, but making plays is one of those things of, of ultimately you want to see those guys do. It's not happening. That's what's frustrating is that Keenan Allen, the Austin Eckler, and it's not every play. It's not giving up 300 yards in that way, but it seemed like when they needed to make a high leverage, high pressure situation, you kind of knew about where the ball was going to go. And it's exactly what happened. Yeah. They, there's some matchups they were exploiting. I'm sure we're going to talk about Craig with, with that a little bit here about some of the matchups they were exploiting, yeah. but I think you know you, you can say we don't know who the assignment was and some, but there was just so many breakdowns on the back end of that defense this uh, this week, uh, specifically between you know so, like Daniel Sorensen and DeAndre Baker both carried one of the verticals yep. down the sidelines. Someone was supposed to fall off and take Mike Williams. Mike Williams was wide open. There was a play in the Chiefs territory where there were two players wide open in the middle of the field. No one at the second level covered either of them. Safety linebackers. Down. They covered. They actually threw to the one who was more was covered to, than yeah, the other guy. Justin Herbert tried to fit a ball into Keenan Allen because he was too afraid to throw the wide open guy. Where no one, no one's, no one's watching. There's four guys kind of covering Keenan Allen, or not even really covering, kind of in Keenan Allen's vicinity. They didn't even cover him. There's four there. No. Maybe three. I don't know. I'm fired up. Can you I can not tell. tell. Yeah, I can fire it up. I can tell from the chat room going through there. People are fired up. So again, send us your questions. Should send be. us your. Mahomes is not overpaid. Come on. <laughs> Come on, people. Let's no, keep, uh, I know doing, I'm the homer here. Uh, Alex, somebody in there said something about whatever. That's uh, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss comment on that. But yeah, let us know your questions, your comments. We'll bring them all up here and, and comment them later in the show. But right now, let's bring on the big institution because he always, you know what? If nothing else, just seeing his face is going to make me feel <laughs> a little bit better right now, Kent. And the only thing besides that that could make us feel a little bit better, obviously only responsible, and that's 360 Vodka. Uh, whenever you need one, big bottle like this, just pop yourself a straw. But right now, let's bring in, <laughs> there he is, the big institution, Craig. I'm sorry, man. Sorry bringing <sighs> on all bad stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, we got we got to stop meeting under these circumstances. Somebody get a hold of Andy <laughs> Reid, let him know that that we need some victories. That way, we can all we can all have fun with this. And Chiefs fans and everybody watching and all that, just another bad performance, bad performance all around, especially on the defense. Yeah, there's a lot to impact there, and, and I know one of the things that you know this is this is a staple of you know offensive play calling in the National Football League is. You know, you go attack some of the depth of a team when it's tested. And the Chiefs cornerbacks were tested with their depth with Charvarius Ward out. And the Chargers definitely exploited that on the outside. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs left some cornerbacks one-on-one a little too often for my liking. And I know that that's got to happen for the Blitz to get home and to force Justin Herbert to throw the ball quickly because the front four is getting done and not getting home. I mean, that's a cascading effect there. But... The result was there at the end of the game. It's late third quarter and all the way through the fourth quarter. We saw time and time again the Chiefs cornerbacks one-on-one with wide receivers for the Chargers. Mike Williams went off at the end of that game in those situations. So did Keenan Allen. These guys couldn't stop them when it came time to actually get crucial stops. They actually started the game well. I was very impressed by the defense to start the game, but when it was crunch time and they actually had to stop Justin Herbert and the Chargers from throwing the ball, they just couldn't. And it was wide open. It was slants. It was easy stuff. I mean, it, it was stuff that you you would expect those sorts of play calls, those sorts of things to come, especially when there's a blitz, especially when you know the ball's got to get out quickly. I mean, get up on those guys, press, try and stay on their back hip and make a play at the catch point those guys weren't able to do anything i realized that it was a bunch of backups especially with rashad fitting out as well about halfway through the game but man it was just poor there at the end of the game from deandre baker and mike hughes two guys that we were excited about i'm still excited about don't get me wrong but just a performance to forget in the fourth quarter today all right, thanks again for tuning in here to the KCSN live post-game show. I'm BJ Kissel with Kent Swanson, joined by special guest Craig Stout right now, coming to you from the Bullpen Bar and Grill live out here in Overland Park, breaking down the Chiefs' 30-24 to loss to the Chargers. Craig, I know that we've got, we talked and we joked about only talking about the negative things right now, and you mentioned that you did see some things that are a little bit better from the defense, and it's just my nature to try to find – the positive things as best I can. No, because I'm seeing the comments and I'm seeing fans get frustrated. And it's not to say you don't have every right to be frustrated and pissed off, but uh, some of the comments regarding, you know, these are the worst games. We should just throw in the towel. Craig, you and I have been creating content way too long when this team was helpless for the longest time that I'm not going to start using those words about this group right now. But what did you see from the defense that encouraged you in any way, shape or form at any point throughout this game? Um, instead of just looking at the final box score? I mean, um, the run defense against a Chargers rushing offense that isn't particularly good, but the run defense did look good. I thought Anthony Hitchens had a lot of flashes. He he actually shot some gaps, made some plays behind the line of scrimmage. I actually thought up until the fourth quarter, the Chiefs were good on first down defense. Uh, it was a situation the previous two games where they were giving up almost eight yards per play on first down before those essentially those last two drives where all these explosive plays happened. The Chiefs were allowing right. just two point one yards per play. <laughs> two two point uh, one. Yards look, per play. Hold on, we're gonna wait for Craig for a second here. It's, uh, in, it's just in my nature. Ken. No, I can't I help it. it to try to find a little bit of positive. But yeah, you watch games with me. People think that can't uh, be negative. I'm in here. It, it's just, what do you do? I'm pragmatic. What do you do here? And that's the question the Chiefs 
coaching staff has to ask him as fans and people that have no control over anything. We can sit back and complain and say, we got to do this, do that. But at the end of the day, like those guys have to get on, watch the film, figure out what they need to need to do to get better. And the answer to them isn't just fire everybody start out. Like, that's not realistic. You can't do that. What do you got to do? One thing that uh, I, I was taught, and this is coming from a guy that I, I, was, I was lucky enough to learn from a guy that played in the National Football League. And one of the comments he would always say is, you know, the coaching staff would always say that the, uh, the, the film is never as bad as you think it is, and it's never as good as you think it is. And that is definitely something that happens, uh, you know, with these guys that, you know, it's, you're going to go back, you're going to look at the film. There's going to be some things that are egregious. There's going to be some things that are fixable. And then there are going to be some things that they... Um, you know they they have to they have to address uh, and, and but there's going to be some good takeaways and there's going to be some good things that are going to bring confidence as well for sure. Uh, okay, so Craig, can you hear me? Yes, yes, okay. I can. Okay, I'm just making sure here, my friend. I do have one, you know, one other question we got to talk about, and I, you know, you kind of alluded to it here a little bit earlier. Um, you know, the the Chiefs were it seemed like they were really trying to speed up Pat, Justin Herbert in some of those critical situations. I think the Chargers were largely anticipating that. They were getting the ball out of their hands rather quickly uh, in some big situations. It was smart on them, but they had a lot of success doing it. I mean, they had a ton of success doing it, especially in crucial situations, fourth downs, third and shorts, in the red zone especially. I mean, what you saw was a group that was missing a couple of players, and so a group that needed to be able to have a bunch of communication and discussion to be able to get lined up correctly. And so Staley and the Chargers and the Chargers offense did an excellent job of getting to the line quickly, not allowing the Chiefs, not allowing Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew to make sure everybody's on the same page, make sure everybody knows what the play call is, and running some of that hurry-up stuff, putting them in bad situations. And you saw it time and time again, those guys lost did not understand the coverage assignment, did not understand where they needed to be, and it resulted in a whole bunch of big plays. That happened a little bit against Baltimore. It happened against Cleveland. Cleveland did actually did it fairly effectively. The blueprint's out on that. If the Chiefs are missing a couple of guys, they're a defense that requires cohesion to be functional, and we've talked about that with Spags a lot, a guy that requires all of his guys to be playing together as a unit. When you have a whole bunch of guys that are having to cycle in due to injuries, you got a whole bunch of guys that are new to the defense, guess what? You don't have that cohesion if you don't have the pre-snap stuff. And if you don't get the pre-snap stuff, the result is what we saw against the Chargers today. Too easy in too many big situations. They just weren't able to clean that up. And it, it persisted throughout the game. The Chargers were able to take advantage of it. All right, well, we're going to find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. Craig Stout, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you guys. And you can find all of Craig's analysis and all of our analysis on the on our uh, morning newsletter there at kcsn.substack.com. We'll send out the newsletter with everything we're breaking down on this show, plus uh, get some stats, get some quotes from after the game, give it a little bit more thought, get our, get our heads right after this one because I, I'm telling you, as frustrated, as frustrated as I am about this game, and we're going to have a little therapy session just you and I here because I need to talk this out. <laughs> the problem I have is that the Chiefs couldn't play worse in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And this is two weeks in a row now. The Chiefs are one and two. The sky is falling. Everyone's going to be freaking out, calling for everybody to get fired. And I get it. You said losing masks a lot of things. This is two games in a row where with less than a minute to go, I still thought the Chiefs were going to win the game. Right. Not some crazy play. And granted, at the end, there's like the Hail Mary stuff. But just in general, the Chiefs can't play worse 
against some decent teams, good teams. We don't know what the Chargers are still pretty young, but we know that Cleveland, we know Baltimore are good. And again, three weeks or two weeks in a row, the Chiefs lose with it, thinking that they're going to have a chance to win. I, yeah. How far off are they? If they just even play average, they're going to win these games. So do I think that they need to get rid of everybody because the people there can't go from playing awful to just playing okay? Of course they can. Now, tell me what's wrong with my my thought process here. Here's where I'm struggling right now because this isn't this isn't two straight weeks of not optimal football. This is really three straight weeks. The Chiefs were losing for a large stretch of that game against the Browns, too. Right. They were down double digits there, too. So is the ceiling for this football team as high as we think it should be? Are teams starting to figure out? I mean, I think teams are starting to slow the Chiefs down a little bit offensively. They're trying to eliminate some of those explosive plays. They're having a lot of fun doing them. Is the is the defensive ceiling of this football team low enough? Two, like, I mean, I, I look, I'm not going to try to say that I'm worried about the offense. I'm not. This team has scored a lot of points in the first three weeks. Don't get me wrong. But I do wonder, that, you know, if the ceiling of this football team as a whole is as high as I believed it to be. I thought this was the best roster that Brett Beach had put together yeah. in the Patrick Mahomes era. And early on, it does not look remotely like that. Teams have been able to isolate linebackers and pick on them with great ease. You saw the reason that investing in cornerbacks sometimes matters. I think this week because the depth was tested yep. and I mean, they got picked on. I mean, there's, 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 it's, I understand what you're saying. And I do think this is a good football team. I think they're going to wind up winning in the AFC. I think they're going to go on a run and we're going to bop the Raiders twice in a row. And we're going to laugh at all of them. Right. It's not a perfect football team. And I think a lot of times I know you roll your eyes, but like, you know, it's not gonna be a perfect football team. You know, there are going to be deficiencies somewhere. So it's going to be no matter where the deficiencies were, unless you have all pros at every level, there's going to be something where you're pointing out like that's not good enough because that could happen and that could cost us. We're seeing that happen now. A lot though. <laughs> right, but we're still, you're talking about figuring out our offense. Yeah. We're turning the ball over three times inside the red zone. That's not a sustainable thing. Just like going up against Baltimore's rushing attack. You're not going to face that every week. Yeah. Yeah. Did they bop us? Did we need to figure out? Yes. Did we still have a chance with under a minute to win that football game playing awful? Yes. Did we play awful for most of this game? Yes. Did we still have a chance to win? Yes. It's what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody else's wholesale changes. Mine is just don't freaking turn the ball over in the red zone and make a couple of stops and try to hide some of the deficiencies that you guys have been hammering forever. You can have those deficiencies and still go in a Super Bowl because the Super Bowl team had a ton of deficiencies. Let's not pretend that we weren't complaining about those all years, too. But can you overlook them and get past them? In the past, we did win a Super Bowl. We haven't so far this year. The last time I was as infuriated by losses was the year that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. The Colts game, the Texans lost. Those were just awful, embarrassing, infuriating losses early in the season, too. These were first half of the season losses that this team experienced that were really frustrating. And so it is a lot of that stuff, but I think, you know, there's just, yeah, there's some some things that are, that are being magnified because this team's losing, but there's also, I mean, and that's fair that that happens every, when you lose, there are reasons. And and when you have a fan base and you have 97,000 chiefs podcasts, there's good content everywhere. Everybody's going to dissect everything and you're going to watch the game and you're going to completely different opinions. We saw it last week. There's completely different analysis on the same player saying this guy played good. This guy is a pro, like yeah. an issue. Yeah, it happens. It's you can good. watch the same thing and get completely different viewpoints. But the viewpoint is what they're doing right now is not good enough. They're not playing like a championship type team. They're playing like the team is going to piss you off because they have too much talent to be making these kinds of dumb mistakes. Mm-hmm. Do I think Clyde edwards helaire fumbling and these freak plays are a coaching issue? No. Do I think it's an effort issue? No. I just think they're not making winning football plays, and everybody wants to make this big reason on why it's happening. It's not 
poor effort. It's not bad coaching. It's just the combination of everything wasn't good enough. Sure. And I mean, I, not to explain away the entirety of the issues of this football team, but I even think about some of the issues with Mahomes in the pocket. You know, maybe we should have been a little bit more aware because I think it started off so well and the ball was getting out of Mahomes' hands early week one. You know, it felt like he had a pretty good understanding, a pretty good feel for what his offensive line was doing, but not this week, not yeah. even a little bit this week. He, he, was, he was erratic. He was all over the place. He didn't trust the interior of that pocket. He didn't trust the firmness of the pocket. Was stepping in, was stepping out. Had no consistency with what he was trying to do out there. And, you know, it's little things like that where, you know, Maybe we should have expected more issues when we when the Chiefs made wholesale issue or wholesale changes along their entire offensive line. Maybe we were a little naive to just expect that to just happen. But I think you're starting to see a little bit of why this team needs a little bit more time. Mahomes and core and offensive line need a little bit more time because he made us think it. I mean, it looked great early. It looked yeah. great against the they're, Browns. We're, what we're seeing is they're capable of playing bad and getting beat. Yeah, like they're playing bad and they're getting beat. I still think it's crazy they're playing this poorly and they're still having chances to win. Well, and yeah. that's a fact. And that, that doesn't mean that they go out and win. That doesn't mean excuse everything and everything's rosy. It's going to be all right. But um, one guy that we know is not going to say everything is going to be rosy is Maddie Lane. And we will get <laughs> to him in just one minute. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick look at some of the other podcasts here on the KC sports network on the college side. If you're a K state fan, a Mizzou fan, or happen to like KU or Mizzou basketball. We'll be right back in about 30 seconds. All right, let's quick look at the college shows. They would lock it up with Kurtz, with Making Mizzou, and with the Border War podcast, all former student-athletes at all of those schools. We we'll to hear those guys talk about Mizzou playing football. Here from Martin Rucker and Tommy Saunders. Pretty cool. It is. But uh, now let's get back to talking about um, this poor performance by the Chiefs overall, not getting it done against the Chargers, falling 30-24. to 24. And uh, this is that fun time of the show where we're going to get through some of the sponsored segments. And the first one we're going to start just our fifth observation. Uh, and it's more kind of foreshadowing what the next couple weeks is going to look like. And, and I've said this before, but when you promote and you praise guys like Andy Reid for being one of the best coaches in the National Football League, doesn't mean that he's not above having bad weeks and bad stretches of performances or whatever he needs to do to get the guys on track. But if there's somebody that can write the ship, we've seen it. We haven't seen sustained um failure from the Chiefs during Andy Reid's entire tenure, let alone when Patrick Mahomes is here. But what the Chiefs are looking for is a leader. You know who's a leader? Fairway Independent Mortgage. Fairway Independent Mortgage makes the home loan process as simple as possible by guiding you through every step, just as they've done for the past 25 years. Call Jennifer Dixon at 816-390-8898. That's 816-390-8898. Great rates, a focus on customer service, and the fastest turn times in the industry Again, that is Fairway Independent Mortgage. Again, Chiefs are looking for some leadership right now. And again, people give me a hard time. I'm confident because I've been in there and I know who I've seen these guys in action in these situations. Um, so that's what gives me confidence. But that's not to say that I know they're going to go do it. I'm just not worried because I know the people in place 
to turn it around are there. Well, and probably right about now, Andy Reid is standing on the podium and saying it starts with him. There's a lot sure. of every t- every week. Anytime there's a loss, Andy Reid takes ownership from the start. It starts with him. You know, that's a guy that you know he. he his track record speaks for himself from a leadership perspective. He has been able to fix situations. You know, they started one and five. We were talking about this. The Chiefs started one and five a few years back and turned around and made the playoffs and I think won their first playoff game in the, for the first time. I think that was the year that they beat the Texans on the road. So this is a guy who's definitely gotten some things turned around for this organization, even in smaller spurts in season. That's hard to do sometimes is get a team right back together. And they just need to get back to their identity and get back to what has made them great to this point. And hopefully that can start next week against the Eagles. Uh, let's move on to our sixth observation. And this is the Big Cedar Golf best drive of the game. And we talked about this. And God, it's so much cooler if you do them after a win, you know. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the drive that we thought was the turning point in this game after the Chiefs got their first score early in the third quarter, the defense stepping up, getting that three and out, and then getting the ball back to the offense where they were able to take the lead for the first time in the game. That was what we were looking for from the Chiefs' defense was in a high-leverage lev- situation to step up and make plays, and we saw them do it up front get some pressure. Yeah, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this, you had more yards than the Chargers did on the Big Cedar Lodge drive of the game. The Chiefs got a three and out. I believe it's the only three and out, and it feels like the only three out the entire season yeah. on uh, on three three big plays. Derek Noddy with a sack, with an effort sack at the end of that, uh, or in, in, on the second down play, the Chiefs. Sickler had a decent little run of five yards. Second down play, second and five. Derek Noddy comes out with a great effort sack, continues to work, makes a sack, and then the Chiefs get off the field the next play. Yeah, and Tyron Matthew did a good job taking over the over route, yeah. giving that up, and that's where Justin Herbert wanted to go with it. But that was great to see from the defense that they are capable of getting a three out in a high in a big-time situation, but obviously did not do it when it counted again there at the end of the game, again falling 30 to 26 but um, if you are looking for a quick getaway if you're in the Kansas City area Big Cedar Golf and Big Cedar Lodge is quickly becoming known as America's next great golf destination with some of the best designed courses in the country nestled down in the Ozarks it's exactly what you need when you know you need it and that's Ozark National Big Cedar Paynes Valley Buffalo Ridge top of the rock that's all at bigcedar.com plan your trip now and let's just get to it let's bring Maddie on I know he's going to have some takes talking about this game again. Chiefs falling 30 to 24 to the Los Angeles Chargers, who moved the two and one on the season. Again, the Broncos and the Raiders, who have been told as of time that we are recording this, are trailing right now. But Chiefs looking up at all the other teams in the division, which they have not done in five years. But Maddie Lane, thank you for joining us. How do you uh, how do you polish this one? What do you what are your takes? What do, what do they need to do to get back on track? And that's the million dollar question right now, isn't it? I, at this point in time, like, what are you going into this week? If you're the Chiefs coaching staff, if you're the players, like, what are you saying that you need to do to get better? Like, yeah, it's obvious to sit there and say, don't fumble the football, don't turn it over. And I think those things go without saying. But even outside the turnovers, I think there's very clearly been some issues with this team over these last couple of weeks that they just got to figure out how to flush it out. I think one of the big ones that we saw in this game is, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his best football game today. I think he simply was not at his best, especially when the game was getting you know on the line. I think he was a little banged up. He looked uncomfortable all day long. But after that big hit on the scramble there in the second half, it didn't look like he ever recovered from that point in time. So was that playing a part in that last interception or something like that? But this is back-to-back kind of two weeks now where he's had a chance to win this game or help win this game and for whatever reason hasn't happened. 
Yeah, I mean, Maddie, we kind of talked a little bit about some of the, you know, protection and, and, and navigating the protection and, and maybe some inconsistencies there. He's got to kind of get familiarized again with that offensive line. Maybe we took that for granted a little bit. But I think there's probably something to be said about guys getting open down the field a little bit here because it did look like some of these issues were just coverage related. And it would be nice to see a guy step up in the passing game down the field, past the line of scrimmage. I'm not going to talk about McCole Hardman's three catches. I believe all of them behind the line of scrimmage right now. They need a third down, a third pass catching option to become more consistent on this team, I think, outside of Tyreek Hill, outside of Travis Kelsey, because teams are really keen on those guys right now. Yeah, and I think right now it's worth emphasizing. I don't know if Tyreek Hill's hurt a little bit or if these past two games, teams have just done an excellent job of taking him away. But his impact on this game versus the Ravens game and then this game versus the Chargers has been, I mean, almost absolutely non-existent. He's barely getting to produce much now without going back and watching. I don't know if the Chargers are going out of their way to take him away. I do know they're giving some extra guys, you know, looking extra help at him, extra help at Kelsey. It just seemed like he didn't have a big impact. Kelsey was the only player that seemed like he was consistently doing stuff. But then you got two targets to Demarcus Robinson, four targets to McCall Hardman. I'm pretty sure all four of those were just kind of on jet sweeps and stuff like that coming behind the line of scrimmage. Byron Pringle earned six targets, but none of these guys are doing a ton with these plays. There is no, not even a consistent third option. There just is no actual third option. There's nobody helping the forward passing game on a, you know, on a play-by-play basis for this team right now. And I do think that led a ton into some of these kind of pressures that Mahomes got late in the down. I'm curious, Maddie, from your perspective, because you watch so much film and that you understand the game and, and you have your takes on like what you would do if you're an offensive coordinator. And we see Patrick Mahomes not look comfortable in the pocket, whether to step up, whether to step back, whether to drift back. We actually joked earlier that the one time he actually stepped up and stayed in the pocket was when Bosa spun back inside. It's like, well, I wish he would have drifted back to 11 <laughs> yards on this play because he would have right. been out of it. But if you're a play caller, what types of things can you do to either the screen game, the sh- just to get Mahomes out, to get him comfortable without just forcing him to keep sitting back in the pocket? Like, what can you do to kind of ease some of these issues that we've been seeing now for the last couple of weeks regarding where Mahomes is standing in the pocket? So if you're having this issue to where Mahomes doesn't, where it just doesn't seem like he's comfortable stepping up in either this particular game, that day, whatever it may be, you obviously, you can call more sprint, you can call more rollouts, you call more sprint outs. I don't think the Chiefs have really gone heavy into that this year. They did last year when they were having a lot of the offensive line struggles. So you just roll him out. Um, the downside is that reduces the field, but you're going to add in some extra protection. You can play with two more tight ends. So get two tight ends on the field. Use Blake Bell to help seal off one of the ends so you can move the pocket that way a little bit. I think that's the easiest way to go. The one issue I think you're going to run into with that, though, it's going to require guys to get open. Like if you're going to already reduce the field, you're reducing the amount of players that are going to be involved in you know, Patrick Mahomes reads. If you can't have anybody but Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill getting open, it's going to be really difficult to execute that consistently over and over again. And I think that's kind of the rock and the hard spot that Chiefs are stuck in right now. Maddie, do you think the offensive line played well, played bad, somewhere in between? Where did you come off on the offensive line itself? I, I think somewhere in between. I think they start the first half. I actually thought they were pretty good. I thought Patrick Mahomes looked uncomfortable in the pocket, and I thought there was plenty of places for him to go. I thought he walked himself into a lot of pressure. Now, as the game went on in the second half, it's almost like a switch flipped for the Chargers. They started sending a little bit more pressure, but most specifically, they started letting their defensive ends really come after Patrick Mahomes. So in the second half, there was a little bit more pressure. I think Lucas Niang especially struggled with Joey Bosa, which is to be expected. It's a rookie essentially playing against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So you would expect that. 
But outside of that specific one-on-one matchup, I thought the offensive line more than held their own for the majority of the game. I don't think they're perfect. I think they do have some issues picking up stunts, picking up blitzes and things like that. But as the year goes along, you expect that cohesion to grow. So overall, I'd say it's still you know a B, B minus type game out of them. Oh, and they would even get started on the run game. They look they looked really good in the run game. Yeah. Chargers make it easy, but they looked excellent. In that <laughs> All right. Hey, Maddie, we can find your content on KCSN.substack.com later today. You can find it uh, throughout the week. He's going to have all kinds of great analysis for you. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Oh, thank you guys. Uh, not, not the happiest of days, but hopefully <laughs> next week will be better. Uh, before we go into the last couple of observations on the show here, I'm curious, you and I want to actually ask the chat room and everybody who's watching what their level of concern meter is in terms of getting back to the Super Bowl. Where were you on a scale from 1 to 10 being confident that the Chiefs were going to be back in a comfortable AFC title type being in that game, you're good enough to be in that game again. What were you before the season, and what are you right now? I was a I was a 15 out of 10, 15 being Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'm still confident in this football team. I still expect them to get it out. But if I'm I'm gonna lie, if I'm I'm telling you, I'm not a little bit more concerned about the outlook of this team moving forward. And you know they've got a big they've got a big test coming up here in a couple of weeks with Buffalo. That's gonna be a big barometer for this organization right now because yeah. Buffalo looks outstanding after losing the first week to the Steelers. Which okay, hey, maybe that tells you a little bit of something here. Maybe there's a little bit more parity here in the AFC. More teams are beating up on each other. That's a big test for them here in a couple of weeks. That's gonna tell us a lot. I'm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just going to go with a regular 10 right now. I still have that confidence in this team. But if I'm, I'm lying if I'm telling you that there's at least a little bit of doubt creeping in the back of my head differently. I think Patrick Mahomes, again, covers a multitude of sins. It's just how many can he mask? And, you know, if, if he plays like this this week, I mean, I, I, don't, I think this is more of an aberration, obviously. So um, I, I, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I'm having a hard time navigating on it. Being candidly, I'm having a hard time navigating. Well, I set you up for it. And yeah. it's asking you to, to, at the same time, while you're pissed off and you're frustrated that all the things that you've been talking about that you said, these are issues that are going to cost us. And then they cost us. You want to be like, see, but you're too nice of a guy because <laughs> you want the team to win. Well, everybody else can on Twitter is going to pat themselves on the back and take credit for everything. Well, at the end of the day, it's like, congratulations. Like you were negative about something that you won on. And now we all win because the team lost. Right. Like, a weird thing to flex about but whatever so for me i I would say i was like a nine and a half like if they were healthy before okay before season i'm not gonna do the 15 thing that's your man i was that's your bit i was a nine and a half just if they stay healthy i didn't think there was any chance but if they didn't play at their absolute best and they go up in the afc title game against a buffalo or a baltimore that are playing their absolute best the margin of error because i believe that those other teams are pretty good Mm -hmm. i think that margin of error is different than it was when it started yeah. So I'd go back, I'd go to like an eight yeah. right now, which is lower than everybody else, sure. which is weird because I'm the You're the positive one. I'm the positive one. But what we've seen is that the issues that we thought would come up and hurt us are hurting us. We knew that everybody's capable of playing this poorly. I just didn't think we would. Mm-hmm. Well, we are. Yeah. And so do I think that turning the ball over three times in the red zone is consistent and we're gonna set an NFL record for the number of turnovers <laughs> in the red zone? No, I don't. Do I think that that means that the next time it, we might not turn over the red zone because we might not get there because we struggle in some other way. I would have said no if Patrick Mahomes still wasn't the best player in football, but he doesn't look comfortable. Right. Let's not pretend that Patrick Mahomes right now looks like the quarterback that we saw in 2018 that's doing all those things. Still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's doing things and making those plays that come back to haunt you. Yeah. 
and they are coming back to haunt the Chiefs right now. He's a reason that we are in the game, but he's not helping us by making those plays with that margin of error we talk about. The discomfort that you saw today reminds you of, again, hey, the Super Bowl year where he played with an ankle injury and there was some games where he looked discomfort, everything looked disjointed, and he looked like he was struggling to navigate some injury. Uh, it's kind of it's, it's it's not the same thing because I don't think he's playing with an ankle injury, but I think some of the sentiments are very similar. I think the thing I keep thinking about is a worse version uh, on paper, a worse version on paper of this Chiefs team obliterated the second best team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. And so I keep looking back to that and trying to I'm trying to process all these thoughts. And I think fr- flat, just right now, I'm just I think I'm still in shock. I still am in shock that this team has a losing record for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career. I'm shocked that they've lost two cl- close games. I'm shocked how close they are to being 0-3, if we're being honest. It's yeah, all I'm- surprising. And maybe it's just the fact that this team has played a lot of football the last two years. And, the, and you know, we, they, maybe they aren't immune to some of the come down of being in the Super Bowl, let alone two straight Super Bowls. Yeah, the only thing that's shocking to me, and honestly, because we, we knew that the second-level defenders, we knew Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens, Nick Bolt, were not the greatest pass defensive guys like if you're going to take advantage of the Chiefs defense you're going to look at the weaker areas and the non-strengths those are the non-strengths so every yeah. team is going to do that it doesn't matter if you're a Chiefs fan if you're a Raiders fan and you know the your team like we know ours you know where your deficiencies are and you know where teams are going to attack that's the case for everyone but I just wasn't expecting to play this poorly and the one thing again I'm just not used to Patrick Mahomes not looking comfortable on right. the football field and Justin Herbert a a young on the road quarterback comes in and looks completely comfortable in Arrowhead Stadium, which is not a fun thing to see. So right now we are going to bring in some comments from the chat room and the different questions and things that you guys have been bringing up. So we'll let Tucker fire some questions and comments off and we'll just react to them as they come. But again, thank you all for tuning in. We are at the bullpen bar and grill here in Overland Park. It is just our temporary home while the Kingdom Bar and Grill right down the street at 127th in Antioch is being finished up. Should be done hopefully within the next few weeks, and we'll be in there for the uh, second, so like two-thirds of the season. So just in time for the Chiefs offense and defense to figure it out, how <laughs> uh, these guys can be ready to go. But, Tucker, let's go ahead and bring some of these comments and questions on there. Slim is chilling, says, we look bad on all fronts. Even Mahomes looked bad. Didn't trust his line because they were getting whooped. No other receivers could win their one-on-ones consistently. Similar to what you guys were talking about with the guys down the field. I wasn't watching that, so we can go back and watch the game after the fact and and have those takes. But uh, long story short, he's still one of the best players in football, makes exciting plays, but it doesn't it doesn't look comfortable right now. Well, it doesn't feel sure. any better that, that you know that it's, it's comforting to know you have the best player in football, but man, what he you know, what he put on tape, he's not going to love. And I do want to give some, we do need to give some credit for the back seven. And there's sometimes when you're watching a play, maybe we don't have the all 22 quite yet, but you can watch the nature at which a quarterback's dropping his timing, the timing he's getting out of the pocket when he's getting out of the pocket. That's normally an indicator of coverage sacks or coverage pressures. And there was, there did seem to be a little bit of that this week. I'm not going to completely just say it was all 100% a lack of confidence or comfort within the pocket. I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Chargers defense who eliminated all the explosive plays. And I think that tells you a little bit about what we're looking at here. And we knew that coming in. We knew, yeah. and Maddie talked about it, and we talked about it on our show, and it was it was put out there, they talked about it on the broadcast, of what the Chargers do defensively with their two high looks is that they they challenge you to take the underneath shots and be patient. And I that was my worry coming into this game is how patient can Patrick Mahomes be for an entire game knowing that they haven't hit their final form yet for what this offense could be this season. And the more we get to, they haven't, we haven't seen it yet. The more impatient I'm hoping they don't get Mm -hmm. because we've seen Patrick Mahomes play at a maturity level 
of a quarterback who's much older and much wiser than he is. But we also haven't seen him struggle. We've never seen him have a losing record. We've never seen him struggle consistently, wins and losses, stats, whatever it is, over a course of time where we feel like he's not doing enough. And I'm worried and I'm interested to see how he responds to that because, again, at the end of this season, this is going to be a footnote. And it feels like everything right now, but think back to every season we've ever had the game just become one chapter of a bigger story. So how they respond to it is going to mean more than what we saw today. But we don't know how they're going to respond to it yet. We don't know what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. Well, and I think Patrick Mahomes definitely was trying to do a little bit too much late in the game. You saw that last interception. That was a pretty aggressive attempt. That was, you know, I mean, honestly, that, that put the, the Chargers in great field position, you know, to try to come str- drive down and get that ultimate score. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes definitely was trying a little bit to do, do much, which was interesting because, you know, we've seen him at a elevated level of maturity, like you kind of talked about, some of the willingness to take what the defense gives you, he's been very good about that. He's been on point. The ball placement in a lot of those situations, even the right shoulder, sometimes just simple things like that, putting it on the right shoulder of guys to be able to go out and make plays for him after the catch, that wasn't the case this week. And so that's just that's something interesting to kind of keep note of. Yep. All right, this one's from Jim Warsham saying, hey, we got one stop in the red zone, so not 100%, like it's 90 <laughs> Three now that's true we uh we tried with the penalty yeah they, to, give, to, to give it away but uh they still didn't i actually put on twitter like hey nerd should they be kicking the field goal now obviously it worked out for them but right. i'm still curious if that's the right play there yeah no they i i think they made the right move probably and i think the it kind of played itself out but you're right hey yeah. they held him to a field goal that's a it's a wig that's a small victory right beach yeah ryan white says watching this team continue to beat themselves is infuriating and heartbreaking at the same time. That's the, the, the hardest part for any chiefs fan. That's old enough to remember uh, the Todd Haley, like the Herm Edward, like back then is, is it more frustrating to not have hope? (laughs) Like to just be like, you know what? We're just trying to be competitive and I'm not trying to downplay any of this crap right now. Just being realistic as a chiefs fan. Is it more frustrating to sit and just hope that you get a lead, hope a wide receiver catches a damn touchdown not to wait till week nine to get a lead in the game. Like these things happen (laughs) and it wasn't that long ago. So is it more frustrating to watch that or to watch the best team in football that if they even play average are going to boat race people and be the Alabama of football, if they come out and just play okay, but they're not doing that right now. So is it because they aren't that good or just because we haven't seen again, their final form? Why are you looking at me like that? It's just, no, it's funny. This is therapy session for all of us. I think the frustrations are higher. Like if after these moments, I'm more angry than I was after watching the ninth straight loss for this football team, because you, I was already looking at draft season. Because you're not mad, you're disappointed in them. I, like, I, <laughs> I, yeah, there's mad, a little bit. There, there's a little. I mean, there's a little bit of that. I mean, you're right. Yeah, you know that this team's capable of so much more than what we see to this point, and that's what's so frustrating. And and you know this team is gonna be in the mix. They're gonna make the playoffs. They're probably gonna go to the. That's AFC not what Twitter says right now. Let's. I, just, I, I hey, get it though. I get it. Flame it. I get it though. I get it though. But you know, you gotta hope that this team turns around. There's, there's just too much talent. I will say this. I know. I we. Hey, I'm not trying to criticize Andy Reid too much. I say it too. It gets annoyed when somebody else says it. I just. I don't want to hear that right now. I Hold just, on to the ball. I just don't like the game management. I don't like some of the game management Andy Reid right now. You hated the first down run. I don't know why on that last drive. Okay, so you get yourself into a second and eight. Now your margin for errors. You got to complete a second and eight. You got to you got to get half on that second and eight. And so that you're you're in a third and eight situation. 
deep in your air and territory, Patrick Mahomes chucks the ball up. And I know Patrick Mahomes made a horrific play there. That was a bad mistake. That was a big mistake. Cost him a lot of field position. Maybe the game's different if he doesn't turn the ball over. But you but think it, you're putting undue pressure on Mahomes absolutely. by making him force a third and long because you decided to run. Now, I'm not going to pretend by the time people can watch this and go back and see if his point doesn't even make sense. How many people were in the box? Like, is he? are they running six on four? And it's like, yeah, they didn't get the run with Clyde. It didn't work out, but did what they saw dictate that that decision wasn't as bad as the result ended up. Being. It probably invited it. You're probably right. I, I'm just guessing. I mean, I, I, I guess, it doesn't look, mean that it's right. They've had. I just try to think what were they thinking in that moment? And is that a higher level of football intelligence that I have myself? There's a lot of times the box is obviously probably. dictating the run for sure. But the, here's the thing I found interesting. Late in the game, the Chargers needed to run the football. They ran the football very easily with Austin Eckler. Two of their biggest runs of the entire game. Austin Eckler running it down their throats. The Chiefs, they decide, hey, you know we're having a lot of success running the ball? Let's take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Let's put us behind the sticks on second down in the biggest drive of the game, and that's what happened. That's frustrating. Patrick, uh, this one is from Benjamin Wackold. Patrick needs other receivers to step up when Tyree Kill is isolated almost the whole game. And I think it, it's not a bad point. Like, we saw it late in the game when we were making some of those desperation throws. Like, as crazy as it was and as much as it was, like, you don't think that there's these high probabilities of things happening. They were tough catches. There were still guys getting their hands on the ball. Tyreek being one of them. Yeah. Hit him in the chest. Byron Pringle got his hands on the ball. We talked about the Marcus Kemp one earlier. These guys can step up and make a play. And he can play the blame game or you just go back. Like, that wasn't good enough. Now they have to go back and play Philly. Philly's the exact kind of team that I want to play right now because it's a balanced team. It's not some crazy, unique kind of deal. It's kind of what the Chargers were. But go up against Philly. Get, get Coach Reed settled. Get his 100th win. I mean, there's going to be a lot of poetry. I just realized now he's going to try to go. We've been talking about three weeks now. Try to get his 100th win as head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs and become the first coach in NFL history to have 100 wins with two different teams. And now he's going to have that opportunity to do it, not just against Philly, but in Philly. He timed that It's up, almost Andy. like they the NFL did this intentionally. Andy's been saying We're going to go here. with yeah, that, uh -huh. Chiefs Kingdom. That's going to be the new, <laughs> the new thing. That's all set up for just to be poetry in motion. But Ryan White... I love Dirty Dan, but he is 100% absolutely being targeted by opposing offenses. He's getting taken advantage of athletically, and it's time Thornhill gets playing time. Spags needs to get over himself. I, The curious case of Dan, we talked about this because it's not like he's getting torched all the time. He just never – he's not making a play. Yeah. Like, he's right there. He's on the hip. He's a half a play. I know. If I I'm would, not defending no, 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 him at I'm all. Not, I'm going to defend Dan a little bit. I'm just saying I'm actually going to defend Dan here. Right there. <laughs> and it's like every time the ball, we can do this because we're both standing. Like the ball's right there. His hand goes up and the ball just goes over and he makes a catch. And he's like, he's not getting burned. He just make a damn play. Like one time. Get up there. Accept on the fake punt against the Texans. Like get up there. Make a play. Look, if Dan, Dan Sorensen is, if you're going to go a laundry list of people that have been getting targeted specifically, I don't think Dan Sorensen's number one. The corners were getting picked on. Nick Bolton was getting targeted. Nick Bolton was getting put in conflict on the run pass options. He didn't make any throw competitive. Dan Sorensen had his issues too. Don't get me wrong. But He's, the laundry list of players that are getting targeted specifically in space or targeted in the pass game, I don't even think he's number one. I feel like a couple of those times he's like so far out of the screen that like oh, fans aren't Lord. until you see the replay, like who is even supposed There's, to be there? I, yeah. At least Dan's like in the shots or everybody complains <laughs> about him because they see him like right there trying to make a play and doesn't yeah. happen. They've got a big issues in coverage in a and, lot of different places. And they, they, I think they talked about it on the broadcast, but the, the flag that they threw and they called it on Sorensen, you thought it was on Neiman. Yeah, if they the were the way that they showed it across. If if they were calling it on anybody uh, off screen, it, I'm pretty sure it was is uh, Ben Neiman holding on to a tight end 
by the shirt. There's a chance it was a linebacker across the middle, regardless of what it was. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, it's still bad. You know, it's it's at least he got his hands on him, I guess, because there's some guys that probably wouldn't have been able to do that at the linebacker level. Dan Rice wants to know, is there a good football player we are playing for in the next <laughs> draft? We lost. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh I, I'm not even thinking about draft season quite yet, but they're good. They're, you know, they're, shop, they're probably going to trade their first round pick for somebody is really what they're going to do. There we go. We got the lights back on. Everybody lights back. Here we go. To know back. what's going on. Let's get fans need to relax. Andrew Richards. We don't need that kind of talk. That level headed talk. You and BJ are having right. a beer after this. Cause you guys are on the same wavelength. I I'm very pragmatic. People haven't figured that out. I'm, Biggest homer in the world. You guys joke with me about it. Like people make fun of me online. Like people here make fun of me about it. Um, but I'm very pragmatic and it's it is week three. You've got a non-perfect football team that has proven that they are capable of not playing well, mm-hmm. which is surprising because we wanted to anoint all of them as the answers to everything. I again will always go towards do you have talent and do you have leadership? I'm confident because I know the people who are personally there. In like three years when the guys that I know are gone, I'm my attitudes might change but i'm not worried about the guys not being focused not having effort not being into it every week because i know how they operate and i know how the system works so it's not going to be from a lack of trying a lack of effort a lack of being prepared doesn't mean they're going to go out and play well but it's not going to be because they need to get new coaches or new like coordinators or whatever the stuff in there they have the right people they just have to freaking go do it i think the frustration for Chiefs fans is because the expectation has been set just unreasonably high and i'm guilty of it too spoiled we are absolutely spoiled. The Chiefs lost one. The Chiefs went fourteen and one in Patrick Mahomes led games during the regular season last year, and you know the year after that, or the year before that, they won the Super Bowl. You got to forget the. You remember the frustration we had. I mean, I, we haven't had a losing record since twenty fifteen, uh, and we're, I'm the one who's getting called out for being the homers. Like, <laughs> guys, come on! Like, little perspective here. Uh, Ten years ago, doesn't mean it doesn't. You're clamoring for relevance. It, it doesn't mean it doesn't suck though. And it doesn't feel miserable. It hurts. Yeah, because you start doubting everything. You start second-guessing everything. And some of it's valid. There's a lot of issues on this football team that need to be addressed very quickly. But. Listen, you need all pros at every position. And then we'll have nothing to complain about. You need your all pros to play better. Just say That guy said it. All right, well, I answer a couple more questions to get to your comments. Josh Gordon time. I haven't commented on this because. It's Josh Gordon from 2013, or is it Josh Gordon from eight years later? You know, Josh Gordon showed a pulse in the last couple of years, but, I mean, you know how notoriously difficult it is for Andy Reid receivers to learn the offense? I mean, that's something something that's been a comment that's made historically. So, like, how are they going to be able to integrate him in the offense? I mean, Doris Fountain's roster spot's sitting right there, and he hasn't been active once. So maybe there's maybe there's time to do that. I don't know. It would be a weird time to bring in somebody from the outside who doesn't have any familiar in this offense or even, like, the – it's not like you went and played for Peterson or Maggie yeah. or like right. Coley or one of those guys that right. even may have some familiar language. Um, I want this from Joshua W. I want Pringle to take the second wide receiver job, but clearly we miss Sammy. You miss Sammy when Sammy was on the field 100%. That was a guy that was able to do a lot when Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey were getting the attention. And Brett Beach wanted to try to see if he could get away cobbling together enough pass catchers to kind of piece that thing together. You know, some of the parts rather than having a, a, a bona fide additional op, op, um, option. And that's, this is what I mean, early on, it does not look like they have somebody that can really step up and make big plays. They're just hoping somebody does it outside of those two once every week. And I will say this. 
Clyde Edwards Alaire had a good job, had a good game on the ground outside of that fumble. He did do a lot, he did do well running the football this week. So there's that. It's one of the other things that we talked about, and we don't have time to get into it now to bring in a completely new storyline, but it Clyde Edwards Alaire and how people talk about him is gonna be very interesting because the, the fumble, all of that. Um okay, we're just being told that Andy Reid did not speak to the media post game because he was sick, or he is sick. So that is the first time that I know of Andy Reid ever not talking post-game. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's what uh, has been saying going on in the chat. And also I saw that on Twitter that he did not talk because he was sick. Mm. So that's interesting. Okay, well, to know. well, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, hopefully that he's okay and then they get ready and go up against uh, Philly because you know that uh, he's going to want to get get right for that one and just get right because, again, this team having a losing record for the first time since 2015 – when we get to the end of the season and you look back, whether it ends in the playoffs, whether it ends after a Super Bowl victory, the way that you talk about this team either way is going to be based on how they respond to what's happening right now, whether we make a big deal of it or what's real since it bring up coach talks about it or not. Um, we'll have no idea, but it's going to be interesting and it's going to give us something to watch and it makes the games a little bit more exciting. You go out and bop everybody by 40. Uh, it's not doesn't make the end this week, does it, Kent? I'd rather do that. All right. Well, <laughs> we appreciate all of you for tuning in to us, and we appreciate Tucker for working hard behind the glass again. We appreciate everybody for tuning into this episode and for subscribing to our Substack, kcsn.substack.com. We have free version. We have a paid version. We have a couple of special announcements going on this week for people who have been following us. We have some events coming up. We've got a campaign helping some teachers in the Kansas City area that we are really excited to talk about. And we even have another show. And we have a special video segment, a weekly video segment, talking a little Patrick Mahomes with a special guest. And so that should be... Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Hopefully it was coming off a win, but we appreciate everybody for tuning in again. Thank you for supporting KC sports network. We will see you next week after the chiefs take on the Eagles to try to get back to 500 and climb their way back to trying to win a sixth straight AFC title and get to the AFC championship game for the fourth straight year. Say all these things. It makes me feel better. Kent, hopefully it did for everybody listening again. We appreciate all of you be good to each other. See you. Chiefs kingdom. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.